0: Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's episode topic is taming the wild middle. How to rein in that kind of, what is it? It's like a galloping force of
1: <laughs> <laughs> galloping never... force of disastrous nature and never-ending crap.
0: Yeah, just, um, <laughs> and some of it can be good crap too, but yeah, so we're oh, going to yeah. be talking about how to kind of tame that middle that seems to never end or get away from you. But before we do that, um, we're going to go over our week. I I did want to say the rest of the episode was recorded, um, about a month ago and then we got into the event writing. So those three episodes came before this one, but yeah, we, we, uh, we wanted to update our, what we did this week because, (laughs) you know, a month ago is, is very irrelevant by now.
1: Yes. So Holly, how was your week? Um, it was up and down. Um, I had, I had pretty good writing days. I had, it was just a, such a frustrating week on a personal level. We had a lot of stuff going on just behind the scenes that was not fun. And, uh, it kind of weighed into my writing. I had, um, Monday I worked on something. Oh yeah, the Dead Man's Party revision. I worked on the read-throughs, but I discovered that I had way 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 underestimated the amount of time that revision is going to take. Um, mm. I was thinking I could do that bad boy in 4 days, a full front to back, you know, in-depth novel revision, not like, you know, not like it's already been revised. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I lost my mind. Yeah. So, that's going to be my revision for the Summer of Fiction Writing. Okay. It, and that's that's essentially the only revision stuff I will be able to do. And then with that, I will also be working on um, finishing up the Ohio novel, which I nice. still... Yeah, so, so one full day per week, and it's going to be a long full day per week to do the revision on Mondays. And then Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, the Ohio uh, series, book one. And um, for my fiction, I got five thousand eight hundred and ninety-five words for the entire week. So my goal was six thousand, so I was just a smidge under. And that was close. Yeah, yeah. I am satisfied with that. The objective is to have steady production, and I managed that. And yeah, Yeah, considering all the rest of the stressful shit
0: you're going through, it's great that you were able to actually, you know, get that done.
1: Yeah, I, I can look at the book and say, okay, it was not my my goal for the week, but it was very damn close. I was, what, five words off? About 105 words off. Um, and I produced. I worked every single day that I had scheduled to work on my fiction. I wrote yeah. my fiction. So uh, in spite of all the crap that was going on, uh, and that is crap we are anticipating going on for yet some time, Um It was, I, you know, I got stuff. So overall, it was not a bad week. It was just a very stressful week.
0: Yeah. A lot of people need to take a look at that and, and like realize that your goal was still, you didn't reach the top end of your goal, but the goal, the ultimate goal is consistent writing. Exactly. And I think that a lot of people, if they look at it like that, is that is the bar for success.
1: Yeah, because I showed up for work every day and I produced every day. And even though there was one day when I was just so unhappy. (laughs) And even on that day, I still got, what, um, 1,415 words. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So how about your week?
0: Oh, my week was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I still had, I had the therapist appointment, which is an hour. I had the, um, what's what's his name, Uh, psychiatrist appointment. Yeah, And then I also had to run errands, which took me a long time, and a lot of these extra things around the time that I would normally write, and I was like, don't care, not going to let it bother me, I ended up writing 25,000 words, (laughs) 25,808 words.
1: Yes! And I finished
0: the first draft of the novel. That is
1: so cool! Oh, that is so awesome!
0: Yeah, it was... It was really amazing. And one of the things that I said I said this in the forums and I'll say this here now again too. I think it is part partly that I'm writing in the Fulton Hills world and I'm I've been ready for it and I've I've really, you know, gotten excited for it. But really the way that the how to write a novel course teaches you to kind of try out different things but also it, it taught me to kind of let go of the process at least for a bit and just try other things out which is what we always say people should do with like the 10 minute timer challenge or just other things mm-hmm. we we always mention that, that that's something that you should do and I always thought that I did try things but as long as they fit within my process I think experimenting
1: or, with the yeah. process is hard
0: yeah Yeah, especially, and this is something I mentioned in the forums too, and I had a couple of people say, yeah, I totally get that. When you're fighting depression and anxiety, um, you, you will stick to that process because that process is kind of like all you know. It's like all that you know for sure has worked in the past many times will work again, so you cling to that, like this is the answer that... You know, this is going to get you where you need to be even through the depression and
1: anxiety. It feels like your lifeline.
0: A little, yeah. I mean, if fictional lifeline, yeah. Right. It, it, it does. And finding out that even going through the same shit I've been going through with the depression and anxiety, finding out that I could flip the process, that I could change things, that I could adapt and let go of a lot of that baggage, I found out that the process wasn't helping me. It was limiting me because I've never had a book from start to finish this exciting and this much fun and this this motivating and this crazy and surprising <laughs> that I did with, with this book. And it, it, it went 30,000 words over, 31,000 words over. Yes the intended target so that's that's just, you were
1: shooting for what 50
0: yeah 50 and I got 80, 81,000 something hold wow. on I got the, the, the total number here but it's just the, the letting go of that process really 81,232 words
1: <laughs> that's beautiful
0: yeah, and letting go of the process that I normally do, and I have it, I have it linked uh, in the like the forums we were talking about it in the how to write a novel forums. I kind of told everybody what the process used to be, and it was really long. I was really yeah. involved, and it would take you know week, two weeks, something like that, sometimes more, until you got into the actual writing of the book. This one was what a couple of days. Yeah, before you get into the book, and and you could. Probably get into the book faster if you did more more than one lesson, you yeah. know, in a couple right. of days. Well, so. for
1: for folks who like you have experience with having written novels before, then yeah, that you can just do those first few lessons in basically one day. And for mm-hmm. folks going through the course of the second and future times, I would recommend doing that. You know, just yeah. throw your stuff together, build your characters, do your stuff, and then run.
0: Yeah, you could do it. You could actually. Start with the idea, if you had a full day off or a full weekend, and, you know, start the book on the same day or the next day. Right. I mean, it just... Right. From, from no idea. Yeah, from yeah. how much time you have. But I just wanted to, to say that, like, it's just... Um, it was pretty insane, the amount of, of surprise and impact and leaving your muse free... For somebody who used to be a strict, strict outliner, leaving your muse free is terrifying.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And you are sitting there thinking, especially if you've held on to process so hard, you're thinking, I can't do this, I can't do this. But just trusting it, letting it go, following what was in here, I mean, it's just, it's changed the way I write. I'm pretty sure forever. You know, I. Oh. I'm it so was, glad. Yeah. Well I, I, I have never had that much fun writing to finish. All the way to finish.
1: Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So, I had the same experience writing Dead Man's Party. Using the process I was I was teaching. It was just fun and it was crazy fun and it kept surprising me and going strange places. But you see, you have this this experience with a lot of your
0: books. You're always saying how much that you know you love this surprising, you love that surprising. You, mm-hmm. it's different for somebody who is stuck in their process, like, um, and follows an outline,
1: or somebody who strictly pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has a parachute built in. Uh, if for people who pants, the this process, if you are a preferential pantser. Uh, you are familiar with having books die on you in the middle and having books go to places that just are, are wrong. And the the process in how to write a novel includes building in a parachute so that you have a little bit of structure and you don't drift off into these strange pantsing places that I have taken my pantsing novels that have died on me.
0: We've had a lot of people requesting... Holly's older podcast, us getting it up. So what we're going to do, I'm not sure about the schedule of this, but uh, she did finally find those old podcasts. So I'm planning on releasing maybe one a month until we have them all up. There aren't that oh, many. Half, <laughs> yeah, she she thought that she had a few more than she did. I think I thought I th- thought I counted seven, but I'm not sure. Um, so it's it's not going to be a whole bunch, but they are, you know, um, what was it, like 10 or 13 years old? Mm-hmm.
1: It's been a while.
0: <laughs> I think it's thir- 13 years. But they're still full of great information. So what we're going to label all of those as from the archives. And then we'll have Mom's original Holly, I think it was Holly Lyle, on writing. Mm-hmm. And um, so those will start coming out, too. It's not going to be like we used to do with the extra podcasts. Um, Those will just go in place of one of our podcasts until we get them all up. Okay, so let's get into our topic today. Taming the Wild Middle, How to Prevent Explosions. (laughs) Yes.
1: And what we're looking for here, um, we had a number of people who said, well, you know, my problem is not that I don't know what to put in the middle. It's that I can't figure out how to stop putting things in the middle so that it can end and I can get the book and I keep having a different people show up and different, characters and different conflicts show up and things keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is a, this is a real honest to goodness problem. And it, if it's not one that you have now because you're getting started, this is one that you tend to have when you've been writing for a while and your muse is clicking really well for you. And... Um, I, I, I have dealt with this problem um, <laughs> several times. Dreaming the Dead was the one that this problem crashed, as a matter of fact. So um, I never made closer, it. What was the one closer to chaos also kind of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was a book that was written not on spec. That was on contract and on deadline. So yeah. I did get through that one with gritted teeth and 60,000 words thrown away twice Um, yeah, yeah. so this is an important problem. And if you haven't had it yet, you probably will it someday in the future. So let's deal with how to fix it. Um, the, this has people think of this as either the never ending middle or the exploding middle, and it is, it has two separate components. One, your muse keeps coming up with cool new stuff. That's the first one. And the second one is the story starts spawning new conflicts, Mm -hmm. uh, new characters, new settings, new themes, and new sub-themes. And these are, if you find yourself doing this, then you're going to bring in what we are going to be talking about next. But before we do that, is this something that has ever happened to you?
0: Yeah, um yeah. I think this is the reason why I tended, uh, before going through how to write a novel course, and even as I'm going through how to write a novel course, why my left brain is so stuck on the plotting thing, because um, I, if I don't plot, I tend to go a little haywire. Um, You can see it in some of the fan fiction in one of the particular... I I even had a live journal, though I I have lost it. I have no idea what the hell the title was. Oh, man. But it was an ongoing story. But it was... Again, it's it's fan fiction, so I'm okay with the loss. Uh, It's not like it's something that I could have published, you know... Right. Under my name is something that's original content. But it was just an ongoing story. And it, it... It's kind of like how Talismana broke for you. Mm -hmm. When I don't overplot, and and again, I'm learning through how to write a novel how not to overplot. Even though I'm very good at showing up um, and getting my pages, sometimes it can take a little while for the muse to find what it is interested in in the scene. I haven't had that problem necessarily while I've been doing this because I'm only planning five scenes ahead and it's kind of like it's getting excited to write each scene for the purpose it's not like you've plotted out this whole thing and okay well logically this has to happen so I have to write it Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway the 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 thing is I have had explosions where you know I did characters that weren't meant to to really be that important took over I've had explosions where these really cool fucking things happen and and the thing is it's like just because you need to take something out doesn't mean you can't save it for another book or save it for the next in the series or something like that so I think the important thing is to find out what is important to that novel that's got to be like your goal is like okay well because you like that one guy that printed out his book it was 600,000 pages or 600,000 words yes
1: yes which is massive yeah that's so that that's, that's a problem six. so
0: that's not knowing how to to put your story more compactly and mm-hmm. and create more stories after it so yeah that's it's definitely what is important to this particular story that I'm telling
1: right is is a big question for people right and that that takes a certain amount of of experience it is very hard when you're first getting started to know what's important in the novel um so uh, just real quick i'm going to mention that i have uh, a a process for this in uh, a a very uh, an under ten dollars class called uh create a plot clinic uh and but what we are doing here is, is like some of the core elements from that class that you can use right now um, because what you have to do is understand the story you're telling. And again, when you are getting started, it is very hard to understand the story that you're telling. So the first thing you have to do is you have to write out in 30 words or fewer what I call the sentence and this is protagonist versus antagonist in a setting with a twist and there are a number of different ways that I have come at this in different classes to show people who don't get that one we we are we only have enough time to go through one so this is the basic one and this is the one that I teach in that little class and uh your protagonist is the one person f- who is the most important to the story. Uh, the person that generally, this is a hero, um, male or female, uh, or you know, animal or whatever. Generally, this is what you think of as the good guy. The antagonist, however, okay, is not necessarily even a person. Although if it's something like a war, or a storm or um a uh, chunk of the moon that has fallen off and is getting ready to hit earth so that bad things are going to happen and that is the big problem that has to be solved in the book this thing will have what i call minions um there will be people who are uh Stealing, crime is going to elevate because people, th- because people will take advantage of the fear and the panic. Um, you know, not everybody in the world is a good guy. And the bad guys will use a big world-type problem to do their bad things. So uh, you have to think your way through. Who is your protagonist? And who are your protagonists, friends and allies? And this needs to be limited um, one of the most frustrating things when you're watching um, a movie or reading a book is that if, if the creator of it does not understand how small shows big better, then uh, you're, going to, you're going to get these sweeping scenes of millions of people running and screaming and stuff. But that's not personal. Yeah, it's hard to relate to that. It is so hard to relate to. Think about your reaction in the news. Um, One million people dead. And it's like, oh, wow, that sucks. And you move on. You get the call from a family member. Um, Grandma's in the hospital. She's not doing well. Uh, You need to get there now. And if you love your grandma... That's personal. That's something where you need to be, where your world just moved an inch closer to falling apart. So the same is true in fiction. Large numbers of people, masses of people do not impress us. We have to have people we care about and we have to have people we love to hate. Um, It's not like it doesn't impress us or impress upon us a certain feeling, but it's
0: just, it's it's more impactful if it's something smaller scale.
1: Yeah, you can't put a face on a million people.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely feel it. Yeah. You can feel for them. You can try to help them. You can you can have compassion and empathy and sympathy, but you, there isn't that... You aren't moved the way you are when it is, you know, one or two characters.
1: Right, the entire reason that news reporters go to... The scene of a disaster is so that they can bring you to one person who was in it and who is all bloody and torn up and scared and frightened, and they can show you that person so you understand the meaning of this event because that's how we relate. We relate as as creatures to other creatures like us.
0: And, well, That's why they'll show you scenes of looting and, and stuff too, though, right. is because there's... There's a certain amount of people there it's, it's not it's not like this bird's eye view of an entire city right. you know it, it's they
1: show you the scenes because it's scarier. it's you know right this is what the bad people are doing now and you can look at the bad people in the face. you can see them you know with with clubs or guns or or whatever and you go, crap, that's somebody who is gonna hurt somebody. And you can yeah. understand the reality of the situation. So you've got you have to do that in your story. You have to know who your protagonist is, and you have to have this very clearly defined in your head. Um, you don't have to have it very clearly defined in your head to start out. Uh, I used to build characters pretty, pretty thoroughly before I started writing. Now, I have maybe a job. I have maybe, you know, what this person does uh, with with Victoria Gage, who is the main character of my Ohio novel. Um, I knew that her mother was dead and that she was a cop. And that's all I knew. And that, and that she was a she. Okay, so three things. And I have been exploring her world and watching her grow into it as a character but there are limitations. Uh, I have absolutely no interest in uh, little... What color her hair is. I have no no clue. I don't know what color her eyes are. Uh, I don't know how she looks in, in a, a, a slinky dress with high heels. Uh, I know that she carries a gun. I know that she's a good shot. And I know that she is sensitive to paranormal events, which is something she doesn't know yet. But that's these are things that i have found simply by writing her it doesn't matter what she looks like in a dress it doesn't matter how how well she cleans up right now anyway it might later but right now she is she has uh thought she was going to be slick and she got uh, lock cutters to cut a lock off the third freezer in her dead grandmother's basement because she was afraid that her da- dead grandmother might have murdered her father Uh, and have his body stored in the freezer. What she found is so much worse than that. So (laughs) she is, at the moment, I have not been able to pick this up and finish the next scene, so right now she's sitting on the freezer waiting for somebody to bring her a replacement lock so that whatever it is that's down there in the freezer, which I have not seen yet, can't get out. So
0: when it comes to, like, the, the protagonist versus antagonist in a setting with a twist, you've got the protagonist, which is your main character or mm-hmm. characters. The antagonist, which is not always a villain but can be and can be different kinds of villains. It can be more than one. You've got versus, which is the conflict.
1: Right. Right. You've and, got your, and we need to ahead. talk about conflict just a little bit. Um, You have to understand what your conflict is, and you have to understand that it's not arguing, which we have covered elsewhere and will cover elsewhere again, because the biggest problem people have with understanding what goes in the middle is understanding conflict. Conflict is what matters in your story. It is what your character needs the most and what your character must overcome to get that need. I mean just just look at your own life in
0: writing. What what kind of conflicts do you have to get over in writing? Like the fact that okay, well I wanna write a scene today, but I have this, 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 this and this vying for my attention and I have to go to do all of that kind of stuff to get to the writing. That's conflict. Right. That's I have to take the kids to school. I have to pick up you know, Amy's dress. I have to go pick up the dry cleaning. I have to get the errands done. My husband called with an emergency. I have to go pick up one of the kids. They're sick at school. That, that, like all of that is
1: conflict keeping you from the end goal of writing. Right. Right. And conflict is, can be a physical obstacle. It can be a mental obstacle. It can be uh, a fear. That is something you have never been able to overcome before. It can be a person. Uh, Your conflict can be uh, someone who hates you or wants to see you fail or is actively working against you. Uh, Your conflict can be weather. Your conflict can be uh, a, a tsunami that is rolling towards the beach that you're stuck on. Your conflict is the problem that you must overcome in order to get the thing you want. And sometimes what you want is just to not be dead. (laughs) And that's a big conflict. I want to be alive at the end of this thing that's going on right now. So you must clearly define what your character's primary conflict is. Okay. And when you have that, then you go back to your antagonist. My character's main conflict right now. Her conflict was, well, I have to go back and deal with the what's left over from this woman who disowned me and my mother and uh, kicked us out of the house. We had to, we had to run away. I remember this, this horrible fear and running and hiding. And then, you know, my mother was killed like uh, a month after we, we did this following with her discovering that her grandmother didn't disown him, She doesn't know why her mother ran. She doesn't know why her mother took her. And she has avoided this woman who died a year and a half ago now and could have had a family and lost her family because she never went home, because she was faithful to her mother's version of the truth, which didn't have a lot of truth in it. And now she has to figure out why. And why comes with some really strange strings, because she's now back home. She is now back in this house that she and her grandmother and her mother all lived in together, three women, there were no men, and there is some secret about her father that nobody would ever tell her. And so that's why she thought her her father might be, you know, dead in the freezer, <laughs> was because the grandmother did not speak of him with any appreciation whatsoever the mother would not speak of him at all and so what what is this so now she has to come to understand what her past was and her past comes with some strange baggage because she can feel things happening around her and this wasn't a problem when she was living in south florida not a problem at all. But now she's back in Ohio, and she's in this delightful little small town that she loved. And all of a sudden, she can feel things wrong. She can feel things moving. She can feel shit that she can't see. And she, at one point, pulled a gun and got out, and I mentioned this last week, and yeah. ran across a library uh, front frontage around to the side absolutely certain that she was going to see a crime being committed there and there was nothing there but she knows there's something there she just can't see it
0: yeah and this also adds the conflict because it's it's something that she can't control that doesn't she doesn't know what's going on with her yeah yeah right building conflict can also be wonderful in that you've got the grandmother who didn't like the father, so they didn't talk about it. The The mother didn't want to talk about him at all. So there's this more conflict of her wanting to know more about her father.
1: So all of all of this in here is conflict. Right, right. And it is what the character needs and must have and what the character will do to get it versus everything that is stopping her from achieving her goals. And at no point in here... Has there been an argument? And at some point, there might be because argument is a minor, minor form of conflict. It is probably the least exciting and least interesting form of conflict you can write. Occasionally, you got to have it in there for some situations. and it doesn't
0: always have to be an argument either. It can be it, just because you have two characters juxtaposed, and one wants something and one wants the other. There doesn't have to be an argument where where or a fight. Right. Um. I have characters right now who, on one side, um, they, the the what well, is turning into the main character. Um, or one of two because this one has two main characters. She was originally the antagonist, but she has put herself into a main character position, and she has all of these things holding her back, as far as 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 her motivations to have this perfect life, and yet she has a ghost haunting her house, but she can't, she can't admit it because of all of the motivations in her life that say, I have to, my life has to be perfect (laughs) versus the character who knows that, okay, this woman needs help. Her house is haunted. And it's, it's going against her kids. She, or, or one of her kids, it's not a normal situation because the youngest hasn't even seen the ghost. It's the older kid. Um, and she's fighting us, trying to say, trying to convince herself, okay, well, the house isn't haunted. She's just going through a stressful time right now. And it's just, it's, so they have a scene where they're trying to get in and, and do their ghost check. And she is like, no, I don't need the help. Um, thank you very much. And, it, and it's not an argument, but that conflict is still there. Nice you know. Right. But th- I'm sure there will be an argument when she finally has to face the fact that, yeah, t- t-
1: your your house has a ghost in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, well, you know, one of the one of the most personal kinds of writing conflict is writing a sex scene, where uh, people don't think of that as conflict, but that is, it is this negotiation between one character and another character who both want something and might not want the same something, but they both want something, and they have to get from point A to point C through point B which is well will they won't they how will they um so conflict conflict is all the cool stuff in the novel um
0: yeah and the sex scene uh, with with um Brock and Angie that that made, you just made me think of was <laughs> basically who who's in control because he thought it was he thought it was him turned out that she's Rather strong-willed. Freaky. And, well, I wouldn't say. I mean, freaky. There's no fetishes in that, as far as I know. Which freaky, again, is not an insult. It's it's fun. No. Yes. But, Freaky's um, fun. She was. She was very. Um, uh, d- I guess dominant. I don't know. I, and there was that. There was that conflict. Because conflict is not always bad. You know, con- there's conflict can be fun, and it was each of them kind of trying to be take control and trying to, and, and it made it a lot more fun, I guess, yes. for both of them,
1: and for you to get to write it. I like the word enthusiastic.
0: Yeah, it was, well, it was enthusiastic conflict. That's <laughs> yes. that's what that was. So we've covered protagonists, antagonists. We've covered the verses, which is conflict.
1: Right. And then there's setting and a twist. Right. Okay. Where this happens matters. Where each scene happens has to be relevant to the story. Um, The grandmother's basement in My Thing is full of memories. Um, It's got... (laughs) all of the the meat that neighbors who were hunters brought to her so that she would you know they they take care of her or took care of the grandmother they made sure she had food when they had some they were hunting they would have some of it when it was butchered bring some of it to her she has she had a garden in the backyard and all of the and all of the um cans that she had done her own canning so there are these jars with the the version of the plant that she had planted that year um and whatever it was that she had in there so if it was really good she could duplicate it and the year that she did it on all of these neatly hand-labeled labels on these shelves down in the basement and this is all stuff that they that my character walked down and it was there was the smell that she remembered there was the canoe that was shoved in the back where she and her mother and her grandmother had gone out canoeing and her mother had been the muscle and was in the back of the canoe providing the motor (laughs) and the the grandmother was up in the front and she was doing the steering and the kid when she was about seven was in the middle and her job was when snakes fell off of the trees she had a snake stick and was supposed to grab the snake and flip it out of the canoe as someone who has been canoeing, I know that if you are on the on like the Tuscaros River, which is where this happens, uh, and it's summer and it's warm, the snakes will be up in the trees sunning, and you can if you go underneath the trees, you can end up with a snake in the canoe, which is entertaining for everyone. Um, <laughs> So, her job was to be calm. And she was, her, the, this little moment of pride for her was remembering that she had calmly flipped the snake with the snake stick out of the canoe without tipping the canoe and freaking out. And um, she was just disappointed that it was a garter snake because garter snakes aren't poisonous, and she was hoping it would be a copperhead. so she could have saved
0: everybody Yes, so she could have saved she could have
1: been the hero because she wanted to be a hero and she grew up to be a cop so
0: why does the setting matter
1: the setting is what fuels your conflict it's what gives you things to tell a story about the old house the Tuscarawas River um, the town of, of oh god what did I call it I have named it two separate things now Smith's Corner is what it is now. It's, it is not a real town in Ohio, but it is based on my favorite town in Ohio. So, And I don't want to have my favorite town in Ohio inundated, so I'm not naming it that. Um, so it's this, it is what feeds your story. If the setting doesn't matter, then you have the wrong setting. If the story could be set anywhere then it doesn't, it doesn't need to be set anywhere. It doesn't need to be told. The place has to matter. And the reason this place matters is because there is a link to magic in this one place. It is tied to 100-year-old houses and to streets with neighborhoods that are there and have been there. And because these places are there relatively untouched, almost the same as they were when they were built, maybe repainted, maybe with some updated electric, but with the old windows and the old doors and the old woodwork and the old floors and the old something, there is something about that old, about that unchanged. And there is a magic that is keeping that something there. And that is why that place has to be the place where this story is set. And, Then once you have your place and you know your place and you know why the place matters, then you have to consider. Twist. 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 Thank you. Yes. Okay. The twist is the weirdness. Hey guys, it's Rebecca, and
0: I wanted to say today that if you are looking for a way to support Holly because of all the work she does with the podcast, because of everything else that she's doing, all of the free stuff that's out there, for you guys, and summer fiction writing, if you are looking for a way to support her, she has a coffee account. That is ko-fi.com forward slash Holly
1: Lyle. One word, L-I-S-L-E. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick example of what a twist is. Two girls... A man is watching two girls walking down the street, holding hands and skipping. And he blinks and one of them is gone. The one of them is gone is the twist. It is the thing that makes the reader stop and go, what? In my case, right now, the twist is that a cop who is armed and who was armed when she went down in the basement, uh, who took a lock off the fridge saw what was in there, slammed the door shut, jumped on top of it to hold it down, and used her cell phone to call for help. Because she didn't have a spare lock to put back on the thing. And she has somebody who is bringing her a lock now. Okay? That's the twist, because now the question is, what's in the freezer, Grandma? So,
0: yeah, so as far as when it comes to how to use this, what you call packs because it's protagonist versus antagonist in a scene with a twist. How do you use that for the exploding middle? I mean, why, why mention any of this for the exploding middle?
1: Because this is your control. You do one of these sentences, a 30 word, absolutely no more than 30 word sentence. You do everything you can to cut it down so that you can fit it in 30 words And you cover these five crucial storytelling elements in one sentence. And that is your novel. Every novel ever written can be, every, every, let me be more specific here. Every plotted novel ever written can be summed up in 30 words or less. And just... To show you what how this works, and I am not going to say that this is absolutely the sentence that my story is going to end up with, the Ohio no, series. Yeah, before. you
0: just came up with it for an example for everybody. Right, because, yeah.
1: because I don't have the actual one with me, and I couldn't pull it out of memory because I can't, so <laughs> I am just going to throw this at you. This is, how many words did I say, 17? Yeah. Okay. Cop discovers magic and old gods... In a hometown where her grandmother's debt to them remains unpaid. Ooh, <laughs> that's cool.
0: Okay. Yeah, so that that leads your that leads
1: your um your control, like you said, it, it it keeps your focus. Right. Let me break this apart so people can understand what the parts are. Cop is the protagonist. Discovers uh, magic and old gods is. Uh, kind of the twist in a hometown that's the setting where her grandmother's debt to them that's the conflict is how does your grandma get in debt to magic and old gods remains unpaid is the conflict because somehow is she's the gonna- antagonist you mean what because you just gave us two
0: conflicts oh you okay didn't give us an antagonist
1: yeah well the antagonist is going to be whoever it, it is she does right right yeah Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's and
0: so knowing all of this that will that will help keep your your focus on what you're doing. Exactly. But I know that you can still come up with a lot of really cool ideas. Absolutely. to stuff that fits, but it's just
1: so much. Right. This is this gives you a wall to bounce things off of. This gives you a place where you can go to inside of your head, say, okay, well, how does this thing that I am thinking about doing right now fit with my, my sentence? And it's like, okay, my cop, uh, is going to bring in a bunch of other cops from South Florida. That doesn't fit. I can't do that. That doesn't belong in this story. Um, my cop considers uh, starting a cookie factory. That doesn't fit. That doesn't. That does not feed this core conflict. And while from scene to scene you will come up with new things that uh, you want to write and that fit with the world and that fit with the characters and that add to the story, you always have this safety net where you're going oh okay I just got a new character. A new character comes in he is um, somebody really cute and brilliant and funny and um, he's she is she is kind of paranoid about men because she was abandoned by her father uh, before she even met him. Uh, he never had a role in her life. Her entire life has been surrounded by women uh, until she got into the Air Force um, and so where, where is this guy gonna fit in with that? That is a legitimate conflict because her past and her location and her problem, which is this paranormal element, the, is going to interfere in different ways with any sort of a relationship with a guy, no matter how cute, no matter how hot. Because uh, if you owe your grandmother's debt because you just do, and these things are, are um, nobody can be reasoned with and say, well, grandma's dead, so the debt is paid. It's like, no, grandma's debt and you're the blood relative, so it's on you. Um, go well, ahead. What
0: happens, though, when people have their, their sentence and everything they're
1: creating fits? Then you have to look at your word count. How long do you want the book to be? And this is really something you need to know going in. Um, because the readership for a 500,000 word book is very different than the readership for a 70,000 word book. The number of people the number of books you can create in that length of time is very different. The amount of readers that you will be able to connect with, if you are only writing one book every three years is much, 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 much smaller than if you are writing, um, let's say, a 70,000-word novel, which is a nice link. That's kind of what I'm looking at as my target for, for doing a book every couple of months in first draft. And then, of course, the revision and everything will make that go longer. But it's you have to know what you want. Before you start writing the book, and you have to have some parameters where okay, um my beginning can be fifteen thousand twenty thousand words. My ending can be about fifteen thousand words. The middle what I have left there has to be whatever my word count is subtracted from what's left or, or th- that is what's left after you have subtracted the length of your beginning and the length of your planned ending.
0: yeah, so you can also look at the books that you like reading and Kind of gauge how many words, like how many pages, and then it's like two hundred and fifty words a page, that sort of thing. Right. Figure out how long. Yeah, depending. <laughs> Figure out how long the books are that you like to read and that you're shooting for yourself, and then use that as as the kind of target. My goal is more like fifty 000 to sixty thousand words. That's what I'm looking at right now. Mm-hmm. But again, that I don't know if that's going to change or not. But it it does like you can write 10 books versus the 500,000 word book. Right. So it's it's also looking at that from a financial aspect. It's probably better for you financially. You're building a bigger backlist. You, you've got more, you know, people reading your books and waiting for books, and they don't have to wait as long, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So keeping an idea of a word count in there. Um, what do you do if you keep coming up with the, all of these really cool ideas? What can you
1: do with them? Okay. First off, no idea ever needs to be wasted. If it is an awesome idea, think series, think sequel, and anything that is not, does not fit flawlessly into your current sentence, set it apart, keep it written down, save it in a file for next book. Or book after next book, or however you want to divide it up. <laughs> the,
0: yeah, there's um, Darcy Coates did this actually. Um, I think it's the Gillespie House, the haunting of Gillespie House. So yeah, Darcy Coates was writing a short story. It's called Crawl Space, and it's um, all of uh, just just basically all of these cool ideas kept coming into her head over and over and over again, and it was making a book, but she wanted to keep it. She she said if she added everything in it it was turning into a novelette and then a novella and then a novel so she's like no I'm just gonna write all of this stuff separate so she created the glass Gilles- the haunting of Gillespie House if if I am remembering this correctly and she included at the end of that book the story and and her story about the story in the Gillespie House the haunting of Gillespie House which was really neat especially from a writer. Who, you know, a lot of us do this. A lot of us will will write a short story or or like I've had flash fiction that I've tried to write from your flash fiction course that just kept giving me more ideas. <laughs> and we, a lot of us suffer from this. So the idea of not letting it be a suffering, but instead being a, a blessing, not a curse of the, the ever expanding middle, but instead, um, how can I use this really cool part for a novel in the in in a loosely based uh standalone because there's all so you don't have to make the series um all about the same characters you can make them about a group of characters you can make them about all of these different little stories happening in one town you you can you just you have to pick out i guess the important parts the things that really connect with both your protagonist and your
1: antagonist right there are always more stories So focus on just the pieces that are crucial for this story and save the other stuff because if the world is throwing a bunch of great things at you, that's a good thing. It just doesn't all have to be in one book. Yeah.
0: So um, it's more about, I guess, when looking at this gigantic exploding Thing that has happened to you and you in your middle was supposed to be 50,000 words and suddenly you're looking at 100,000 words <laughs> or 80,000 right. words or something like that, um, I'm not going to get into, I, we, we don't have the time no. to get into how to revise it, how to, to but we can <laughs> at least, we can at least look at how do you figure out what is best to keep? Okay, Like,
1: if you're looking at all of this stuff. As you are going through, now, Becky has been doing this for a really long time. This, the board that she was talking about where she had all of her scenes set up. On the index cards. Right, on index cards. She had a sentence for each scene. And again, protagonist versus antagonist in uh, setting with twist. And that kept her scenes on target. Yes, if you you cannot hit a target, you cannot see, and that is a, a hard concept for people to get, and for pantsers especially, uh, it's like no no I just write into the dark, um, and when you are five hundred thousand words into a one hundred thousand word book, you're you're writing way 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 into the dark. And we're not talking shit about pantsers, because obviously Stephen King is a pantser. There are
0: pantsers that can do this. That's fine. But if you're running into this problem and you're not plotting, that could be part
1: of the problem. Yes. The the points in my novels that I have had the most problem with, and I've done, I, I work in every imaginable way possible. Uh, I have panted novels successfully and unsuccessfully. I have plotted novels successfully and unsuccessfully. Um, I have done combinations of the two, but the worst problems I have with exploding middles have invariably been when I have been pantsing, where because every idea seems good and there's nothing on paper that you can bounce this off again and say, okay, well, no, that's the wrong direction because this is what you're shooting for. If you know where you're going, if you have a clear target, it is much easier to not get lost. So what we're looking at here, okay, you you do your 30-word story sentence. You do a 30-word sentence for each scene that you know you want to write. Um, These are called scene sentences. And sometimes you don't even have to do
0: a 30-word sentence because... Like, yeah, like you were talking about, like, um, I've been doing it long enough that I can actually just put one word down Mm -hmm. on the index card and I know what that's going to be. But, um, if, if you're having problems with the exploding middles, the, the, the sentence actually really does help
1: clarify things. Right. And once you have your target set, you set, this is, this is the ruthless path from beginning to end. Um, Ruthless being, you know how long you want the book to be, and you are not going to let it go longer than that. So then, every time an idea pops into your head, you put it aside, in writing, someplace convenient, if it is not something that fits the story you're writing right now. Because the way you get to the end of the book is to stay focused on what am I supposed to be writing right now, and you do that regularly until you get to the end. and then the final thing here is that when you have these elements pop up, they are gifts. Accept them as gifts <laughs> and look at them as this little present for spin-off novels, promo short stories that you can use to um, throw out as freebies to bring people to the bigger stuff, uh, as creations for a new series, which you did with, um, Fulton Hills, and then the place who's, that I can't remember. Standing River. Yes. The, Stand- yeah. There you Fulton go. Hills
0: was the original. Standing River had so many different things that I just I, I had to create it. That's the Glass House series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fulton Hills is yeah the the main area. Right. But yeah, I've got so many shoot offs, so many ideas, and that's the thing is like I've I've learned like okay well, this doesn't fit, but and, and I've had to do it twice already with this new book, and I'm only, what, 10, 11, 12 scenes in, 11 scenes in, something like that? Right. So I've already twice had to put down something that was really, really cool, like uh, uh, three times, I'm sorry, while I was plotting it. I had the EMT character that I wanted to put in there. Right. And I, I realized if I had his story in here, in order to connect him to everybody else, it would be about halfway through, and then it would be more of a 100,000-word novel, 90,000-word novel. And I don't want them to be that long. I want them to be nice, quick books that people can read and enjoy in a weekend. Right. You know? Or a day. <laughs> so, you know, depending on the reader. So I, I had to put his story as the next story. And it's just, it's, it's knowing what the main content is the main story, the most important thing you want to get across. And then realizing that all of, like you said, everything else is a gift. It's it's this muse giving you
1: 7 million books. Right. <laughs> to write. Right. And that is a wonderful thing, which brings us to the takeaway. And the takeaway has two parts. The first part is discipline your objective is to tell and finish one story one and everything that does not move you and eventually your reader in a path from the beginning through the middle to the end of that one story is extra and good stuff that needs to be written down saved and put aside and this is the, the second one is something that new writers especially struggle desperately with, and this gets a lot easier with experience, okay? A novel is not a monument to every idea you have ever had or ever will. A novel is just one idea, one idea carefully thought out and taken from beginning through conflict to end. And you will have a lot more ideas. So save them for separate projects so that you can have a lot more stories.
0: Yeah. Even, even sometimes if you have to pull a character out of a story, mm-hmm. y- you know, it because their story is something you want to tell too, then you might have to just pull him and his scenes and his story out. And, and save it for his, because you don't want it to get muddied, right? You you don't want your, your, the reason why you started writing this book in the first place to involve too many things going on, because it's, it's also going to be hard for the reader to, to read and to get attached to specific storylines. That's, um, one thing that I can say that, uh, Darcy Coates does really well. If you read her books, um, she she seems very, very disciplined when it comes A lot of them are, are single protagonists. Hunted was a little bit different. Hunted is, is one of my favorite of her novels, but it wasn't a paranormal one. Um, it had a lot of different viewpoints, but all of them were focused on that one story. Right. And she, she does that really, really well. I've read a couple of, of other people... In the paranormal writing world at this point where they go off and and it's very confusing and and it's more of a struggle to connect with your characters um, because they throw in a lot of gimmicks they throw in some action scenes they throw in a twist where this person you thought was gonna be the main character halfway through is now dead Um, those that doesn't always work Right. Now, obviously, you know, there's no hard and fast rules when it comes to things. There's always exceptions, but boiling it down to the main story, like you said, using the sentence, coming up with the main point of writing what you're writing in the first place and then keeping it stuck to that and also keeping in mind that word count that that can really, really help, I think.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely.
0: All right. So that has been our episode on how to tame the wild middle. Um, if you still have questions, if you still have issues, or you know you feel like we didn't quite cover your topic or your particular problem, we will have again an episode thread in the podcast forum at Holly'sWritingClasses.com on this topic. So if if you feel like for some reason, your situation is a little bit different, uh, go ahead, create that free account at HollysWritingClasses.com. pop into the forum, find this episode um, link or this episode thread, and let us know what problems you're having and, and see if, if we or anybody in the community can help you with that. Uh, again, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It is at a i a r w i p you can follow us on facebook at alone in a room with invisible people that is the where we're most active is on facebook other than of course the the forums that is where you really want to head in if you want to be a part of the community if you want to influence the next episodes that we may choose to do that is where we listen to our people for sure that because that's where everybody is um, if you would like to support the podcast, it is ko-fi.com uh, slash alone. That's it, just the word alone. If you don't want to donate to coffee, we also have at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com on the top right hand, there are there's a drop-down menu. It's 5 10 and $15. It's a one-time payment. It's straight through PayPal. So if you trust PayPal far more than any other site, I hear you. That's why that's there too. And every dollar counts. I, I cannot thank you guys enough for the support that you've given us. One of the programs that we use, uh, literally it's $5 a month. It is a spam filter. And so that's why I'm saying every dollar counts. It makes a difference. <laughs> this community, all of the letters you guys are writing. Also, if you want to reach out to, to us for the show, it's show at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. If you have anything personal you want to tell me, it's Rebecca at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. All of this community that we're building, all of the people that are coming together and talking to us and new people that we found through the site that are emailing us and and leaving these amazing comments and reviews and messages on Facebook, it, it's very moving and it's exactly why we're doing this. It's an amazing community and it's growing and we just love and adore every
1: single one of our people. Yeah. This has writing fiction changed my life writing fiction gave me the life that i wanted to live and it changed my kids lives it helped me protect them and get them away from from really bad situations and and it in in so many different ways writing has has mattered to me personally so uh, I w- that's that's the thing that I want to do with the world. You know, I my, you can't make the whole world a better place. But you can help people who, who love something that you understand to figure out how to do the thing that they love. And that's it. That's my thing. That and writing fiction. <laughs> so if you love this, understand that you are not alone, that you are not the only person out here, out there who has ever had this dream or whoever had to overcome obstacles to get there because both of us did too and you can do this annoying. um speech adjective definition. causing agitation
0: mark oh okay i told i told him my um uh, my ringtone for him was the definition of the word annoying <laughs>